Thank you that you are still with us nonetheless. You are here to encourage us. You are here to uh, lift us up. And because, Lord, you have called us to serve you. And we thank you for that calling that you give for us. Bless us and keep us, O Lord. Lord, we now ask that you also bless this time that we spend together in the word. That we hear nothing but the words of the Holy Spirit speaking. And we give you the praise and thanks. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to finish up chapter 5 and go into the first two verses of chapter 6. Uh, it is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, and we're reading through chapter 6, verse 2. And one of the challenges of putting together a Sunday school lesson uh, for uh, the book of Timothy, uh, the topics change sometimes quickly. They move about. You want to make sure that you're getting everything in as much as you can for the passages being covered. You obviously can't cover the entire chapter sometimes. You just have to break things up a little bit. But this is a good uh, way to look at a continuation from last week, actually. Uh, the instructions for elders is still the... Um, and uh, You're welcome. Anytime. We, you're welcome. Absolutely, Lisa. Um, we will do it anytime you need prayer. Just just say, speak up and we'll take care of it for you. Um, we're giving instructions and giving advice here in this section about widows, elders, and slaves. And this is like part two. We talked about that last week. We didn't talk about the slaves as much last week, but we will uh, at the end of this passage. As we customarily do, we will read from First uh, Timothy uh, chapter 5, verse, starting in verse 17, and take it through to verse 2 of chapter 6. Uh, the New Living Translation is the, the version we're using. Please uh, follow along with me in your version. Starting in verse 17, elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. And in another place, those who work deserve their pay. Verse 19, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. Verse 21, I solemnly command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides or showing favoritism to anyone. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Verse 23, this is more of a personal note to Timothy. Do not drink, don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. Verse 24, remember the sins of some people are obvious, leading them to certain judgment. But there are others whose sins will not be revealed until later. In the same way, the good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret will someday come to light. Chapter 6, verse 1. All slaves should allow full respect for their masters, and so they will not bring shame on the name of God in his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Okay. 
That's the passage, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, through chapter 6, verse 2. Let's go back to the top and take a look at a section. A lot of the heavy, meaty part of this uh, passage is actually going to be in the first portion of our reading, but it doesn't mean that the rest of it is not important. It's just that a lot of the things that we can certainly relate to will be in the first section here, starting back at verse 17. Elders who do their work well should be respected and pay well, paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. In another place, those who work deserve their pay. Now, when we look at this, this is something that we need to really understand about, uh, first of all, the, the essence of uh, preaching and teaching. They're very closely related. Uh, pastor Gus is our pastor. He is a preacher. He does teaching as well as he speaks uh, the word and messages. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, my role is a teacher. That is what I do, and that is what I am, believe I am called to do and will always do for the rest of my life. I believe that that's where I should be. And everybody should know what they need to be doing, uh, honestly, whether you're preaching or teaching or not. You need to know what your calling is uh, on, a, on another note. That's something that's very important. But even if you're not a preacher or a teacher, you're going to be one who is going to have to refer to scripture in some way shape or form and teach it and give someone information about it uh, whether it be just in a few sentences or uh, in over a, a 45 minute period whatever that is but ultimately proclaiming the word of God and you're giving people what they need to hear about the truth the scripture is about proclaiming the word of God you have to give the word of God and give it to people and know that that's what is being proclaimed it's not about your words personally it's about God's words um, I'm only articulating what is being provided in the passage that uh, Paul wrote when he wrote in his letter to Timothy. And we need to be able to explain the truth. We need to be, help people uh, learn or understand difficult passages. We have often uh, offered you know, it to answer questions for people if they have questions about any passage where they're having difficulty understanding. And we've even given resources to help you uh, places like gotquestions.org to just type in a question that you have and the the resources there are phenomenal that will help answer questions about certain passages and give you information. Those are all things that are available to you and are readily available to you. Of course, the most uh, easy thing sometimes is to call somebody and just ask and, and you can pray over it and go over it together uh, for to have greater understanding about it. Because a pastor can't cover everything in a, in a message. Um, it's just not possible. And I can do what I can during a Sunday school class, but sometimes questions come up in your own personal reading. You should be doing these things actively. You need to make sure that as you're learning these things, that now you're not just learning them, but you're now applying them. You're applying them to how you're living your life. That is the whole purpose of this. You, if you can't apply what you're learning to your own life, then it's just a waste of effort on your part to sit and hear someone speak to you about the word if you don't want to use it. Um, I'll give you a little uh, clue. Pastor Gus's message today uh, is about a troubling subject where people uh, say that they know the Lord and love the Lord, but you don't see any evidence of that in their life. And I'll just share with you that he shared this is a tough thing right now. He's observed these things and it's been really bothering him. Uh, and he says that uh, in, in a loving way, not in any way as a criticism of anyone in our church. But I think it, it is a telling thing 
if there are a lot of people that you come in contact with who don't who say they love the Lord, and maybe they're saying it just to be just for platitudes or just saying it um, uh, because they they know they're around someone who loves the Lord, but yeah, they, yeah, they think it's a trendy thing to do, right? Exactly, you know. Uh, but if you don't see evidence of that, then that's just a false way of living, and it can be a deadly way of living. We need to understand that uh, God does not want to be mocked. He does not like being mocked. If you're mocking God, then you have a, a bigger problem right now than anything else that you could ever have. Um, so that just kind of come, just kind of came out, but it's very true. You have a bigger problems right now. We need to make sure that uh, we are doing those things necessary to apply the word to our lives. Our lives. Paul says that the elders, the ones who teach in the church, are worthy of double honor, but we don't need to take them for granted. Um, and I'm not speaking about me. I'm just going to put myself aside on that thing. But your pastor, uh, who has sacrificed a great deal to uh, make sure that the word is being proclaimed, he is worthy of the honor of uh, you giving him the honor and respecting him and, and paying attention. What? Roscoe and Larry as well, too, the elders, uh, those people who are in positions of authority in the church. They also deserve the same attention. And um, I thank my bride for helping me to remember the people that are most important to remember in our church because we need to all remember those people. We need to keep those people, and we need to be praying for them because they face many attacks by Satan. I, I can't stress enough how important it is for you to always think about Pastor Gus, Elaine, all the elders, the elders and their wives, they face attacks from Satan for different things or different reasons. These are all things that we need to understand as we look at this. Um, don't take them for granted. Uh, make sure that, you know, it's we don't need fact checkers in the church uh, to criticize all the time, too. I mean, it, uh, if, if there is a if there is an issue or a problem, we we want to make sure that we try to deal with those problems as they come up. You want to honor them. They work hard at what they're doing, but, and they really do care about the body. They care about the people of the church. It doesn't matter what size the church is either. Everybody, now, the church, we have a nice compact group of people. Uh, no question about it. But they care about each and every one of us. They care and pray for each and every one of us, and that's what we need to remember. Um, we need to support our church leaders, support them, um, whether you're with our church or a different church. Same thing applies for that other church as well, too. Make sure they're appreciated. They're going to be criticized. They're going to be targets for criticism. Um, sometimes we as a church see things one way. The pastor may see them another way. But we need to understand that the pastor, his responsibility is to pray that he is doing God's work and doing God's will. And he is doing those things in such a way where he is truly um, serving the Lord. He reports directly to Jesus Christ. So we, in turn, should be responsive in that way, too. Um, there have been people who have found fault. They, they just criticize everything, um, criticize how we do things. People in the past have used criticisms like, for example, the music, and they'll leave the church. Well, that's, you know, that's just an excuse. Uh, we have to understand that, that that's it's what we're lame. talking about. It is lame. It's a, it's a lame thing to do. Those are, that was my wife uh, who said that. It's, yep, sure it's, it's lame. <laughs> but it is lame. Uh, we, we have people who have all kinds of reasons why they can't figure out why they're not, they're, why they're serving the Lord Jesus Christ and we point fingers at other people when we can't get our own act together. 
uh, I think that that is ultimately what it comes down to. We need to make sure that we're doing those things to show our appreciation. Now, that does not mean that we have to put together a pastor's appreciation or a Sunday school appreciation type days or something like that. Sometimes we can go a little overboard with this stuff. That is, we're not talking about going the other extreme. We're talking about just saying thank you. I mean, just saying thank you is, is really the best thing you can do. Honestly, uh, uh, say thank you for, the, for them taking the step and trusting the Lord to serve in the capacities that they're chosen to serve in. And that's really what it comes down to. So there's always a balance in things, and we have to keep those things in mind. Um, we want to make sure that financial support is mentioned here because of what it says back in verse 18 about, you know, those who work deserve their pay. We are not doing it for charity, honestly. There, there are things that we do because we are serving the Lord, but ultimately those who are in positions in the church who have a salary need, need deserve to get paid. They have to take care of their own households, their own responsibilities. That's why this is mentioned. And that's what what Paul is stressing here to Timothy for those people who are still trying to figure out what is supposed to be done within the church when it comes to taking care of the, the elders, the teachers, the leaders in the church. They deserve to be compensated. Paul is, uh, Jesus and Paul is emphasizing the importance of supporting those who lead and teach us. Um, Take a look re- real quick at Galatians chapter 6, uh, just to give emphasis for this. Galatians 6. Just in the same way that you, uh, when you do your jobs at your various employment uh, that you have, the places you work, you expect to get paid and compensated for what you're doing. And churches should still honor the pastor in the same way to make sure that he is indeed compensated. Galatians 6.6 6 says, Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So the ones who are being taught, the ones who are being given instruction through the pastor, through the word, through what's being presented, uh, they deserve honor in return. They deserve honor for doing those things too. So keep that in mind as well. Um, and I, and I want to stay positive with this conversation because I know that it, people are going to say, well, you know, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, you know what, they're called by God to do it. So, okay, are you, do, do you do everything that God calls you to do? Uh, that's the thing. We have to understand that we, they're doing it because it's a love that they have to do it, but they still deserve to be compensated. They still do deserve to be given their proper due. And uh, people who are quick to criticize what other people do, uh, I, I question that sometimes. I really do. I think it's, it's, it's okay, it is healthy to criticize when it's necessary, because we'll talk about that a little bit as we go further. And in fact, let's move to that right now. Um, verse 19, do not listen to an accusation against an elder unless it is confirmed by two or three witnesses. Those whose sins should be reprimanded in front of the whole church, this will serve as a strong warning to others. Uh, verse 21, I solemnly command you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus and the highest angels to obey these instructions without taking sides, or showing favoritism to anyone. The natural inclination that many of us have is that we, you know, we have friends we pair up with. There are people that we know, people that we love, people that we hang around with, and those are our favorite people. And the risk that you have in doing that is that if something goes wrong in the relationship or if something is wrong where that person is sinning or not acting in the right way, then you're going to be very slow to criticize them 
and you may not do what you should be doing because you like them as a person or you're afraid you're going to lose that relationship. Well, this is what Paul is teaching Timothy here. You've got to make sure that there's an order that takes place whenever something goes wrong. That's what this passage is here. Verses 19 to 21, when something goes wrong, what do you do? How do you fix those things? And that includes church leadership. Um, It's something that's very important for us to see here. So we have a guideline on what we're supposed to be doing in the church if something is not right. Now, do we do those things? Um, You have to look at maybe your history, past churches you've been in, uh, the behaviors of certain people. Were those things really being corrected or challenged, or were those things just let to slide? Well, here's a news flash for you. If you're letting it slide, you are not doing your part in the body of Christ. And that's not right. These are things that we have to understand as we do these things. Church leaders, as well as everybody in a church, and I'm going to add that because uh, we need to have a standard for everyone involved. Your leadership is also under that same standard. They are not exempt from sin. Um, I readily admit that I have sinned. Uh, I make mistakes. I have faults. There are things that we all do. We are all, we all sin and fall short of God's glory. There is uh, always a reminder about those who are without sin. Let them cast the first stone. That's what Jesus had told the people who wanted to stone the woman um, who was involved in adultery. Um, and that's the thing we have to always remember. There is a proper way of handling these things. Now, we have to execute that proper way, though. If there is a problem within the church, it needs to be done, and it needs to be done publicly, and it needs to be done in such a way where it is done with dignity and respect because, and it goes back to verse 20, those who sin should be reprimanded in front of the whole church. This will serve as a strong warning to others. Now, when we say reprimanded, we need to be make sure that we are doing so in such a way where we are not demeaning the other person, demeaning the person who is guilty of sin. And we're not just putting one person up in front of the church. It really needs to be everybody involved. Um, uh, if there's two people involved and they've done something in sin, then two people need to be together in front of a church. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I think it just avoids a lot of just scuttlebutt and backtalk, and I think that that's what needs to happen. Is that always practical? No, but it doesn't change the responsibility doesn't change what's being said here. Uh, so we have to make sure that we're praying about these times when there is a correction that must take place. And everybody, corrections have to happen. They have to happen. We need to make sure that we're doing what's necessary. Um, and Paul was emphasizing No complaints against anyone should be brought before the church unless there are two or three witnesses that confirm what happened and that the stories are not made up or they don't corroborate or anything like that. Um, We have a social, we have a system of justice in this country that allows for people to have due process. And in the church, there should be the same thing. It should be the same type of situation. Um, Sometimes we just have to rebuke people and correct them. Now, I'm thankful that we have very seldom ever had to do anything like that in our church. Uh, we have had to do it. There is a history where we've had to do those things. But, uh, and we need to talk about these things because sometimes they're hard subjects. Nobody wants to talk about stuff like, stuff like this. This is like the, one of the least exciting things anybody really wants to hear, that 
a church needs to know how to conduct itself when it comes to correction, but we need to know how to do it. There, there are guidelines in place. The word here is giving us guidelines as to how we do go about those things. Okay. If you have questions about this, you're welcome to add them in the comments as well, too. Um, it, it's just something that we have to talk about. It needs to be done. And Paul, when he gives these instructions to Timothy, he is doing so in such a way where he is uh, showing that there must be order. There must be consistency. Remember, this is a very young church, uh, young as far as origins. Not, it hasn't been around for that long. So there are people uh, in that situation, maybe even newer members, who just don't know how things are being done and how things should be done. Uh, we're not acting like barbarians where we're dragging somebody outside of the building and stoning them if there is a, a, a transgression. Amen? I mean, that's what... Yeah, I, I, we, we haven't... You have to go back to the culture of the time. You have to understand that the way where people were thinking back then is that something happened and there was no real due process. Um, perhaps there were more than one witnesses, but uh, the penalty was death. Now, it depends on what was called upon according to the uh, what the Bible had, sta- had stated, the Word had stated, um, the words we read in the Old Testament. But we still need to make sure that we're doing things with a sense of order within the church. We're under the new law now. We're under the new, um, the new uh, covenant with Jesus Christ. So there is an order that we're using and following here, and that's what we need to keep in mind. And that's what needs to be emphasized here as well, too. Okay. Verse 22. Let's back to the passage, 1 Timothy 5. Never be in a hurry about appointing a church leader. Do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Now, why is this being mentioned? Well, first of all, it's being mentioned because church leadership is a heavy responsibility, number one. We, we know that church, being a leader in the church, whether you're being a pastor or an elder or um, someone who is appointed to a position in the church, it's a big responsibility. We need to recognize it for what it is. And... Timothy, being a leader of the church, is being given instructions by Paul to how to conduct business in a church. It's a heavy responsibility. And remember, Timothy is younger than some of the members. So it's about being respected for who he is in his leadership and carrying out those very things and standing on them in the word, standing on them according to the principles. Now, again, this is just a letter that's being written, so it wasn't part of the official word back then. But ultimately what it comes down to is that Paul is giving the guidelines because he has the credibility to do so. He's the one who started these churches. He's the one who was involved in formulating them. He is the ultimately the, the missionary, the person who traveled about and set the standards for those churches, and he wants to make sure those standards are followed. And these are, as we can see today, biblical standards. So those are things we need to keep in mind as well. We need to make sure that any discipline that being, is being rendered not because of favoritism, not because of someone's personal inclinations. It's about dealing with truth. Facts are facts. If you did something wrong, it was something that needs correction, then you need to make sure that you are doing uh, the proper correction. It needs to be done with maturity. It needs to be done with faithfulness. It needs to be done with godliness. It needs to be done where you're not playing favorites. We as people tend to play favorites. We tend to Uh, play favorites uh, all the time because that's just our nature. We do so in the flesh. But we need to make sure that if God's word is being violated, then we need to stand on God's word and stand up for God's word, no matter how much we like a person. 
It's easy to criticize somebody you don't like, amen? Uh, it's easy to criticize somebody you don't really care for, but that's not right. It, it, it needs to be even-handed all the way across the board, so we have to make sure of those things as well, too. The health of the body of a church is much more important than playing favors with someone who's not meeting the right standards. Understand something, everybody. There are a lot of churches out there that are not meeting God's standard. They're not doing what they need to be doing when it comes to standing on his word. They're not doing the things necessary to uh, live in such a way that where they truly are honoring God. And this is what Augustus is going to talk about a little bit in in his message. That's what we need to see and understand. A lot of people talk a big game. And when it comes down to it, they don't stand behind those words. Uh, And that's what we have to see here. No favoritism. Honor God. And that gets back to verse 22. Paul says a church should never be in a hurry about choosing its leaders, especially the pastor. Now, this this is in the commentary here because uh, there are major problems that can occur when you um, rush through things. There may be sins overlooked. There may be things that you you have to kind of vet from a person. And honestly, when when you're vetting that person, you you learn things over time. Sometimes time often reveals truth. If you're in a rush to do something, then where is the time that's gone by? But as time goes by and you observe a person, truth usually comes out uh, at a critical time when you can make a decision about whether or not a pastor should be chosen or elected. And whenever we get to the point when we are looking at a new pastor in our church, I guess I'm mentioning this for the sake of of learning lessons from the past and making sure that we're paying attention to those things in the future. Let the time go by and really vet that person. Have conversations with them. Don't assume anything. Take the time to ask the right questions. Do what's necessary. And it says in verse 25, verses 24 and 25, about, you know, some sins are going to be very obvious. Others are not going to be revealed until later. That's what it says in verse 24 in this passage. Some things will be very obvious, and you'll know, you, it's easy to make a decision if things are obvious. Some things are not going to be obvious, though. Some things will take time. Some people start right and change course. That's right. Some people start right and change course. Uh, I mean, uh, for those of us who've gotten married and gotten divorced, it started out right, and something happened. Amen? It changed course. Things happen. And that's what we have to look at, even in something like this, where we're looking at uh, a candidate for a pastor of a church. The good deeds of some people are obvious, and the good deeds done in secret someday will come to light. In other words, uh, a pastor shouldn't be bragging about all the good things that he did, or a pastor candidate. These are all the good things that I have done in the past. The good thing, you know what? What are you doing now? What are you doing today? What are you doing right now? And those things will come to light if that person's character, that person's character will stand up for itself. If you're praying and seeking the Holy Spirit, and I mean bathing it, it, this matter in prayer, God is going to bring you someone who is going to be dynamic when it comes to a pastor, someone who can lead a church. And we need to give it in prayer all the time. Honestly, if there's a pastor candidate, you need to be praying about it every day. Every single day. Every day. Don't let a day go by without praying about uh, who this person is. Do not let a day go by and do that. We have enough history. I'm not going to mention any names. It's not worth that. We have enough history 
to know the proper way to do these things. And everybody in the church needs to be involved. Everybody. There, there's no way in the world that we are to let something like this go. Uh, everybody needs to be praying and involved in that prayer. And talking to that person, engaging that person, seeing what's really going on with that person. Okay? Um, all right. I kind of beat that to death. So let's go on real quick to the... <laughs> but we needed to beat it to death. Uh, it's just very important to talk about those things because we now know exactly what we need to do as a church. We need to know, know, know what we're doing as a people. Um, and we need to make sure that we're doing the very thing, walking in the Spirit, uh, walking in the Spirit as we move forward. Thank you for that, Roscoe. Chapter 6, verse 1. All slaves should full, show full respect for their masters so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Now, we need to understand something, and I'm going to repeat this again because I think it's worth repeating. Um, the reality is that the time that we're writing that this was being written, we had masters and slaves. Masters and slaves. It was a very common practice. Um, we have had slavery almost throughout uh, all of human history, everybody. It is something that has always existed. Not justifying it, not saying it's right, not saying it's correct. It's not really an issue. Uh, the fact is, is that it existed. And it still exists today. Now, if, if you want to get into a, a social discussion about why slavery exists and why we have masters and slaves... We are in a fallen world, period. And that's what it comes down to, a fallen world where we have uh, people who are going to be dependent upon others in many ways. And, that's, and some people choose to be in the position of working for someone because that's, that's the way things work. I'm, I'm, not, I'm separating completely the employer-employee fact here because – you're being compensated for wages when you work for someone. In slavery, you're not being compensated in that way. Uh, you may be provided uh, food and, and, and shelter and clothing, but those are all essentials uh, uh, basically that come uh, to everyone and are available for everyone. So we need to keep those things in mind as we look at this. So getting past all of that, in, back in the culture, the point that Paul was making here when he was making this statement, is that there was a great social and legal gulf separating masters and slaves. There was a different way people were being treated back then. Um, we know how people were treated uh, during slavery time here in America. Uh, we know that in Africa there are slaves for other Africans. So there, it really doesn't matter but because there is a social gulf that has taken place, and that's what's being talked about here in this particular passage but what Paul is teaching us here is that it doesn't matter who the master is and who the slave is. Everyone is supposed to act in a Christ-like manner. That's the issue. That is the difference between the two. You're going to have a better relationship. Um, and that's what needs to happen here. Um, ma look at it again when it says in verse 2, If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Treating a person the way they should be treated. Treating a person with respect. And that's what it comes down to. The slave should work all the harder because their efforts are helping other believers who are well-loved. They're setting an example. 
on how to live in spite of their position and where they are. And Timothy was being called to teach this very thing to people within the church. Why? Because I guarantee you there were masters in the church and there were slaves in the church. And so this was something that was being taught as part of the lessons that need to be given. Um, it, we, we need to get off of the call where Paul should have denounced slavery. Well, that isn't really the issue here at all. We understand what slavery is. You, it is a choice that masters have to have slaves, and, and we need to understand that too. But now we need to learn, now that we have this thing, and we've always had it, how are people supposed to be treated? The most important lesson here is to treat people the way you want to be treated. Whether you're in charge or not. You know, what it comes down to is that all of us have to report to somebody. All of us have to respond to somebody. It may be, uh, it may be an employer. It may be a boss. It may be, uh, you know, you're supposed to have respect and reverence. Remember, we had conversations about respecting and honoring your parents. Your parents are still your parents. You don't like their behaviors in many cases, but they are still to be respected and honored. And so this is really the same thing here. This is the same type of behaviors. It needs to be done that way. Uh, in the commentary that I have here, it does talk about the employer-employee relationship. I get that it as being a similar situation. But you know what? We can make a distinction uh, between uh, masters and slaves and employer-employee things because we know that in order for us to do a job and get paid, we have to do the job right. And if we keep messing up, and we're not doing the job right, we're not going to keep those jobs. And you wind up bouncing from place to place. A lot of people have lost their jobs because they have less, no respect for the workplace where they've been. They have no respect for working. And honestly, that's one of the things that uh, is called upon as an issue in Scripture as well, too. If you don't work, you don't eat. So we do ourselves in sometimes, and we need to make sure that no matter how good or bad our bosses are, we're still called to honor Jesus Christ in our work. And so we keep those things in mind. And so the slaves have, were told to work hard, too, and just honor God in what they're doing. And the masters are supposed to be respectful, and they should appreciate what those people are doing for them. Now, that takes a whole different approach and a meaning to the slave-master relationship compared to what it was at that time in that day. There was a completely different approach to it. And honestly... Um, there's other references in scripture as well, too, where if a person wants to remain a slave in a household, then that master's responsibility is to take care of that person as a family member. So you see where that, this goes here. This is about developing relationships with people and treating people the right way. We need to understand that that is what's most important here. Paul is telling Timothy to teach this very thing in the church. And we need to make sure of those things as well, too. Uh, there's one passage I want to look at. Let me see if it, it still works right now. Yeah, uh, go to uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Uh, we're on the home stretch here and pretty much about done, but I want to make sure we cover this passage as well, too. Because this is referring to that relationship between the masters and the servants. It's referred, they're referred to here as bond servants in the passage, Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. And I do love this about Scripture. Scripture doesn't run away from the times that these are written in. It doesn't run away from the fact that there was slavery. 
doesn't run away from any of those issues, but it does tell us how to deal with those things as a practical matter. And it teaches us lessons for how we can apply these things as well, too. How well do you respect your family members, for example? How well do you respect others around you? Do you honor even your children uh, and talk to them in such a way where you're not being demeaning to them? These are all lessons you can learn here. So look what it says in Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. See where it all goes back to? It goes back to Jesus Christ. Verse 6, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. This is in the English Standard Version, by the way, just so you know. But as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Okay, so you're automatically going back to serving Jesus Christ and everything that you're doing. Verse 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. No difference between a servant and a free person. God treats everyone the same. He doesn't play favorites. Remember how we play favorites? God doesn't play favorites. He treats everyone the same. Masters, verse 9, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. In other words, there is no favorites. God doesn't play favorites. He treats everyone the same. He expects you to treat everyone and honor every person, whether they report to you, or don't report to you. You have to report to somebody yourself. And guess what? All of us have to report to Jesus Christ. All of us serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is our Lord. He is the one we need to look to to make sure that we are showing ourselves to be fair, just, honorable, and everything that we do should honor the Lord. Everything that we do should reflect our faithfulness and love for Christ no matter what our relationship is with the other person. So that's a good way for us to end because we need to see that Paul is telling Timothy, it doesn't matter where someone comes from, you treat them the right way. You treat them with honor. You don't treat the person, for example, with honor, more, uh, more of an honor of the person who shows up in fancy duds in the church, sits up front, gets all the attention. And you don't treat the person who has tattered clothes and sits in the back of the church any differently. They all deserve the same honor because they're all created by and loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what their state is. And that's how we need to live. That's how we need to be balanced in our efforts of treating people. So we need to make sure that we're following these principles within the church. Um, the instruction that Paul gives Timothy was great instruction to make sure that we are always patient when it comes to dealing with new leadership, uh, that people have to learn. Uh, we need to make sure that we're always looking to um, honor Christ, but in the same way, stand up against anyone who is uh, being disobedient, not doing something. If it deserves to be addressed and checked, check it. Don't let it slide. Pray for those people. Uh, pray for those individuals who are struggling or scuffling with this thing. Um, and, and that there's a lot of people right now who are struggling and scuffling. And people lash out at other people. And they mistreat other people. 
These are all things we need to understand in the church as well, too. Keep those things in mind. Amen? So let's uh, this lesson on church leadership and being faithful, uh, I hope that you got something out of that. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside for us. Lord, we want to be prayerful people. We want to be people who are seeking you every day. We are seeking you through your word. We're seeking you deliberately and looking at what your word has to say. We want to be like you more and more as we live Christ-like. We want to be like you. We want to look at situations with balance. We want to take the approach, Lord, that it's much more important for us to be positive and always focus on serving you rather than being negative. Where negativity doesn't really get us anywhere. But we thank you again for the lessons you teach us today that you have taught us, and that we continue to make sure that we're living in such a way where we're applying those very things to our lives. We thank you for the reminders. And we thank you, Lord, for your patience. You're very patient with us. There are times when, frankly, we uh, need to be reprimanded. We need to be chastised. We need to be corrected because we still focus on being sinful. And, Lord, I pray that the words being spoken here as well as the words being spoken in the message today will prompt us to focus on those things that are most important. And that's in serving you, loving you and living for you. Not just saying it, but doing it. Not just for you know, impressing someone else, but doing so in secret, doing so in just loving you. We just thank you for those teachings, Lord. We thank you for those lessons. Bless us and keep us, Lord, and we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay online after Sunday school for Pastor Gus's message, I Am Who I Am, a Christian. It is in the timeline. You just scroll down and look for the video. It'll be there. And it is pre-recorded, right? It's not a live video. Uh, reminder again, pray about next week. That's when we go back into the building on March the 7th. That is the projected uh, return. Pray about that. Uh, but we welcome you here online. We want you to be with us and stay with us as much as possible. We want to be able to pray for you and see you, even if it's just words across the screen. We want to be able to communicate with you as much as we can. Stay with it, everybody. Just stay strong. Uh, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Uh, it is uh, still a time we have to make sure we're taking care of business from that end as well, too. But God bless you all. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for being here this morning. And uh, take care of yourselves. Bye.